It was an unbelievable performance by the Amboy Clippers in the eight-man state championship game, and it's a rematch in the Class 1A state championship game. We got a lot of football to talk about here, Mitch. It's a great week. Stage is set. We're down to the last uh, final 16 here across the state, so we got a lot of a great semifinal action to recap and look forward to uh, another great two days of state championship football coming up this weekend. We got a ton of coverage to bring to you this week. We got special guests on. We got coaches interviews. We got uniforms to talk about. We're wasting no more time. Let's get into it. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now. Welcome into View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined once again, as always, by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, as you said, the stage is set. We have eight matchups ready in the 11-man ranks. We got a state championship game to cover from the eight-man ranks. This is a huge week for View from the West. So much content coming out. So much content is here it's exciting, man. I'm ready to go. Yeah, it's a busy weekend. Or sorry, busy week for us, uh, for sure. But uh, that's what the fans crave from us. So, yeah, um, things worked out in our favor here in, in 1A especially. So, a lot of great coverage to be had in that game particularly. But, you know, looking across the rest of the classes here, a lot of great matchups. You know, teams we don't cover that we may not know a whole lot about, but we know historically that they're really good programs. We've seen performances from these teams that – um, you know, should make for a really exciting two days on Friday and, uh, and Saturday. So looking forward to this. Well, let's set the stage here for this week's episode, plus all of the other content we have coming out this week on View from the West. On this episode, we'll be recapping the eight-man state championship game. We'll be talking about Amboy's impressive performance in their win for a state title. But we're also obviously covering the huge matchup in Class 1A, the rematch between Lena Winslow and Camp Point Central. When we're talking a rematch between Lee Wynn and Camp Point Central, we got to bring in some of our experts, Mitch. We got Kyle Campmeyer, who covers NUIC football. He'll be talking Lena Winslow. We got Logan Walters. He covers WIBC football. You can find them on Twitter. Both those guys are in here. You know, as our resident experts, talking Lena Winslow and Camp Point Central I'm excited for this matchup. It was a good game last year. Lena Winslow obviously came away with the win. Camp Point Central is playing some great football right now. And obviously, Lena Winslow is, you know, they always seem to play, be playing great football. So what a matchup we're going to get into in a few minutes on that one for sure. Yeah, Greg, we don't live in the golden age of boxing anymore, but this is two heavyweights going at it. Uh, once again, obviously, they, they met last season. So um, to, to have these two teams... You know, two teams that we looked at at the beginning of the year that we hoped would would make it this far. They played like that. They they got through the gauntlet of the 1A playoffs. And here they are, a rematch in 1A. Couldn't be more excited about it. Yep. Well, stick around for that conversation. We'll be breaking that game down, talking about how they got there and what it'll take for each team to grab the win at Hancock Stadium this coming weekend. And if you want to hear more about the Lena Winslow Camp Point Central rematch, I sit down one-on-one -on -one with head coach Rick Aaron from Lena Winslow and head coach Brad Dixon from Camp Point Central. 
Those interviews you can find in our podcast feed or on our YouTube channel. Those should be available on Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to this episode. And Mitch, we got to talk about, we got to promote the most anticipated episode of the season, at least for us anyway, the annual UniView State Championship preview episode. Tell us what the fans can expect out of this one, Mitch. Well, it's pretty... uh... Self-explanatory there, Greg. We're going we're gonna to look at uh, all 16 matchups uh, from a uniform perspective. I should say eight matchups uh, with, with the 16 teams. We'll look at the uniforms. We know which ones they're going to wear, or at least we know who's going to be home and away. Some of these teams have some different uh, alternate uniforms that we'll talk about as well. But, you know, we'll, we'll take any, any stats or any knowledge of the teams aside, and we will we'll try and predict our winners based primarily on who looks better, according to us. So, yeah, this will be a lot of fun. Already starting to do a little bit of the homework on this. A lot of great matchups in the uniform division uh, this year. So, yeah, looking forward to uh, to having that uh, bro- broken down for the fans. I'm excited to get into it. I've seen a couple pictures of some different uniforms that we're going to be talking about. So, yeah, there you have it. The UniView State Championship Preview episode should be available on Wednesday. Now, that'll be on our podcast feed. But, Mitch, this is a visual conversation, so I yep. encourage everyone to head to our YouTube channel. You can head to YouTube, search View from the West, find that video because that's going to be where we're showing the images, we're showing the uniforms as we're discussing them. So you can, you know, kind of form your own opinions as we as we break down the matchups. Like I said, toss the records, toss the stats out the window. We're analyzing every matchup solely based on the look, the helmets, the jerseys, all the good stuff there, Mitch. So... All right, well, a lot of football to talk about, but before we get into all that talk, you know who we got to thank. We're going back to Kiwani because tonight's episode is brought to you by our friends at Breedlove Sporting Goods, Western Illinois' premier sporting goods store for uniforms, apparel, equipment, awards, and online team stores. They provide all the same sporting goods services as the big nationwide companies do, but with a faster turnaround and their uniform pricing is just a fraction of the cost you are probably used to. They offer brand names such as Adidas, Under Armour, and Nike, and are extremely responsive with any inquiries. With a primary focus on the western side of the state of Illinois, Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team. Check them out on Facebook or at BreedloveSports.com or shoot Cal Breedlove an email at CalBreedlove at gmail.com for more information. And Mitch, with the season winding down, Christmas is right around the corner or maybe some banquet season for some football teams mm-hmm. in our area. If you're mm-hmm. looking for that perfect gift, if you're looking for that, you know, that item to give to put under that Christmas tree, how about you check out Matthewson's mini helmets? They offer totally custom mini helmets or decals for your school. You can find them on Facebook or on Twitter. Of course, they were the, uh, the sponsor, the driving force behind the Matthewson's mini helmets player of the week. We handed out nine helmets this year, customized View from the West Helmet Awards this season. So we thank Matthew since many helmets. You can find them again on Facebook or on Twitter. So all right, the way this episode will go, we'll talk about the eight-man state title game. We'll talk Class 1A with Kyle and Logan. And then, of course, we'll get into Classes 2A through 8A. Mitch, would you call it like the Cliff Notes or like the IHSA State Championship for Dummies here? We kind of give you the, the scene setter and a little bit of the breakdown. Yeah, we're not going to get too much into it, um, again, since they aren't really teams that we cover. But if, if you're going to be like like you or I probably there on, on Friday and Saturday watching all these games, you get a little bit of a primer, you know, just so you know a little bit of information going into each of those matchups. 
absolutely. There we go. All right. Well, before we get into that, let's talk eight-man state championship. Mitch, I know you and I both had our eyes on this one. Amboy gets the win over Ridgewood in the I-8-F-A state championship game for 2023. The Clippers, 74-22. to Mitch, Mm. it's one of the most impressive performances, especially when you talk about a state championship-type stage. One of the most impressive performances I think I've ever seen here from the Clippers. What what a game. What a, what a game for the Clippers. Yeah. I mean, from opening kickoff, um, you just kind of, you kind of got that sense that this was going to be Amboy's night. And it, it seemed like when those first couple of punches came from Amboy, it just didn't look like Ridgewood was, was going to have it to be able to withstand that because they came in so, so fast and, and so often. Um, uh, again, Amboy's been doing this all year. This was a close game in the regular season, but boy, they if, whether they made adjustments or whatever they did, they were ready to roll from the jump on Friday night. Yeah, I just, I couldn't believe, you know, the first few minutes of this game, Amboy led 14 to nothing before Ridgewood ever took an offensive snap. Amboy mm-hmm. took the opening kick. Landon Welchel had about a 50-some yard run into the red zone. They score on the next play. The ensuing yep. kickoff is fumbled by Ridgewood. Amboy scoops it up and scoops it up. They end up scoring a two, what, one play, two plays later? Mm-hmm. In the blink of an eye, it's 14 nothing, And then another blink of the eye, and it's 28 or even more than that, 28-34 nothing. I mean, it just, right. it was so fast and so furious for this Clippers team. Credit to them. I mean, it, again, it's just such an impressive performance all the way around. Yeah, I think this was their third time getting into the 70 points plus range on the year. So certainly a team that was capable of doing that. But kind of like you mentioned at the beginning, to do it in a state championship setting against a team like Ridgewood, who we were really impressed with, especially on defense, against a team that played Amboy close in the regular season. Yeah, this was just, it was really, it was efficiency, really, you know, because like you were saying, it was quick drives, it was quick scores. You know, Eddie, Eddie Jones was three of four passing for 97 yards and three touchdowns. They all went to Brennan Blaine. So he had three catches for three touchdowns. He also that, had a rushing touchdown. So I'd say that's pretty you, efficient. Yeah. 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 They 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 really were impressive um, on, on both sides of the ball because certainly we know what their offense can do, but they, they completely shut down Ridgewood in this one too. Yeah. I mean, just offense, defense, special teams, the Clippers were doing it, you know, in all three phases. And mm-hmm. it just... Again, I think what's so impressive, you kind of hit on it a little bit there, is that this was a very good Ridgewood team. You know, like to see this type of performance, sure, you see some lopsided games throughout the regular season. Certainly Amboy's had those this year. But depending on the opponent, it doesn't always catch your eye. But this really caught my eye. I couldn't believe what I was watching because I've been so impressed with Ridgewood. It just, you know, and I don't want to keep piling on Ridgewood, but it's just really impressive game for Amboy here. Landon Welch will finish with 259 yards, three touchdowns on 10 carries. Quinn Leffelman rushed for 50 yards and a touchdown on five carries. So just, it seemed like every opportunity, the line was creating some huge holes. And once once those Amboy running backs got through that first level into the second level, they were usually able to outrun at least one or two Ridgewood defenders. It just... Yeah, they were just hitting the holes and they knew what to do with it. They were, you know, making guys miss running past guys overall, just, you know, 
impressive effort and a great way to cap off this kind of two-year run where we saw Amboy here a year ago in the state championship game and they fell short to West Central. It seemed like, I mean, it was. I mean, we were eyeing them as the next state champion. And there Mm -hmm. was, I think there's some pressure that goes into that, right? I mean, I, I think they knew it. We were talking about it. Everybody was kind of talking about it. And they delivered. They didn't flinch all year long. They run the table yeah. 13 and 0. They get that state championship. Yeah, it's credit to Coach Tyson Powers um, for for having his team ready to go. And this team loses uh, a handful of seniors, some some big playmakers. But you know, Eddie Jones comes back. Quinn Luffman comes back. Um, you know, don't have the whole scope of of what Amboy's going to look like next year. But regardless, like you mentioned, to to come back from last season where they fell short, and to have the season that they did to have the playoff run that they did, and then to have this performance in the state championship game is, is a complete credit to the entire Amboy program and a job well done. Uh, so Coach Powers is our friend on Twitter, but we should also give a shout out to the head coach, Scott Payne, who I don't think is on, on X. Ah, so. yes. Yeah, I, yep. I got to mix up. That's my <laughs> but, fault. Sorry, coach no, Payne, no, no. No, but it, you know, like I said, you know, Coach Powers is our kind of connection on Twitter. So that's where we end up, you know, thinking. Yeah. But uh, yes. Scott as well. Uh, congratulations to them. And Mitch, I saw a really cool story from, um, you know, Shaw local media from uh, the out of the Sauk Valley area. Car- or, um, Cody Cutter wrote an article about the, you know, we say Amboy, but we, we mean the Amboy Lamoille Ohio co-op. And mm-hmm. he pointed out in uh, his article, this is the first state championship for any sport for any athlete in Lamoille or Ohio's high school's histories. So a really cool, you know, experience for those athletes. There are nine players in total from both Lamoille high school and Ohio high schools. So really cool for them to be able to, you know, be the first state champions to walk the halls in those high schools, very yeah. small high schools. I think combined both those high schools are under a hundred. So, I mean, we're talking, uh-huh around 50 enrollment for both high schools. Yeah. Um, I think Lamoille is a little bit bigger than Ohio, but um, either way, just a really cool opportunity for these kids to be part of a state championship. And that's kind of what this eight man division is all about, right? It's giving some mm-hmm. of these smaller high schools an opportunity to compete on a big stage. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if we mentioned this, but it, it's, it's a, at least Amboy's first state championship in football since 1984, but um, yeah, to bring that home for the first time for those two communities. Yeah, it's it's a great thing for, you know, when you have a consolidation like that, and then especially, certainly when you go from eleven man to eight man, um, to to have any sort of success is going to be is going to be special for those communities. So, yeah, congrats to everyone, in in that long history of of Clipper football for uh, for hanging in there. They they've always been a, a great community, a great football town, great football towns, I should say. Um, and you could tell from the crowd, they were into it. They, they traveled well, and, uh, at least they got some warmer weather this year. It wasn't as cold as, uh, as previous years have been. So yeah, congrats again, congrats again to, to the entire Amboy, Lamoille, Ohio football community. Uh, Mitch, I saw one of the photos after the game and man, I love in the I8FA, they still hold up a big old trophy. Have you seen the, uh, oh, yeah. the eight oh, man yeah. trophy? It's mm-hmm. legit. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's not a plaque. It's a big old trophy, and I love it. It feels it feels very old school IHSA. Wonder, wonder if they have to travel around to the, the three schools for that. Maybe it's just like you know. I know. Well, 
like Cody's article just mentioned that like the trophy would probably be in Amboy, you know, when it would probably live in Amboy. But man, I do hope they do some kind of like, you know, school assembly and carry that thing through the hallways. You'd have to, right? I hope we, I hope we see or hear about that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Let let, let it, let it reside in Lamoille in Ohio for a little bit. Come on. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Mitch, you talked about Amboy fans, community traveling well on the opposite side, Ridgewood. There, that Ridgewood Spartan community really traveled well. I mean, throughout the playoffs, also mm-hmm. like they had a great showing in Martinsville the week before in the semifinals. A, a great showing here nearby in Monmouth. It was really great for you know to see that place packed on both sides. It didn't go the way they wanted it to, but man, one one night, one game does not define a season. And I, you know, right. Coach Elder tweeted that out, something to that effect on uh, Saturday morning air Friday night and um, just really great to see, you know, to keep that perspective and know that this has been a program that's been building themselves and to get to this game, forget the outcome to get there. There's very few student athletes that can say they played in a state championship football game, even to get there. So yeah, great, great on them, you know, for, for being there, for making that run. Well, and only in their second season in eight man. So uh, quick success for the Spartans here and, and probably sustained as well with the type of program that they have. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ridgewood's Riley Couture threw a pair of late touchdowns in this one to Preston Moriarty, two seniors on that Spartans team that have really led the way, you know, and really been, you know, constant names that we've said week in and week out. Congratulations yeah. to them and to all the seniors on kind of leaving your mark. I mean, this same as Amboy, you know, this, this Cambridge program, when they were the Cambridge Vikings, they went to a state championship game, I believe in 05 and, um, you know, had a, were a really good team in the Lincoln trail conference there for a few years, really great program. And, you know, now that they've consolidated or, you know, co-opt here, mm-hmm. this is, you know, getting to a state championship game is, is another high watermark for this program. And so congratulations to coach elder. I know that we also had Coach Elder, the other Coach Elder, your namesake, yes. Mitch Elder. He was also Great. listening in on uh, Friday night to our episode. And we, you know, corresponded back and forth a little bit Friday night. And he really appreciated our coverage. And I, you know, thanked him for a great season. And I've talked to Coach Pat Elder throughout the season as well. I know he really appreciates our coverage. So I just want to give a shout out to them and, you know, congratulate them on a great season and in a, in a you know, a great effort here. And I'm excited to see what's next for them. You know, you look at Amboy and Amboy fell short and the next year they were state champions. Where does that leave Ridgewood? I don't know. Cause you know, Amboy's going to be good again next year, but I think this Ridgewood program is not going anywhere. They put themselves on the map. They're going to be here. Yep. Um, and go back to the, the Friday night. If, if you haven't listened to that, uh, you can find it on our feed, the instant reacts from that shout out to Kyle Kammeyer for, Hopping in there, I wasn't able to join on, on Friday night, um, but shout out to Kyle who joined from the car and coming from that game. So um, if you, if you want to hear more from that game, more than we just listened to just now, uh, you can jump back and listen to that instant reacts from Friday. Yep, yep. Good plug there, Mitch. The instant reacts for the state championship game is available on Twitter. It was uh, We were live on Spaces. So forgive some of the audio, some of the technical issues. I don't know. I don't think my microphone sounded very good throughout and it's, Kyle, yeah, it's it's a weird thing to to like start it and then add somebody. It's it's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and Kyle was thing, leaving. Yeah. Kyle was leaving Monmouth, so his uh coverage was a, yeah, body going through those back coverage was a little was a little yeah. spotty there. But uh, 
you know, we made it work. So anyway, it was great conversation. That's the important part. It was great content. Kyle was bringing all the good content there as he took in the eight-man state championship a lot of, game. A lot, of, a lot of listeners, too. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, we had a lot of people listening in and out live while we were recording. So that's a lot of fun. That's where I saw, um, you know, Coach Elder listening yeah. in. So that, you know, that was a lot of fun to see people listening in. So, well, once again, congratulations to the Amboy Clippers. They've been a fun team to cover this year and going back to last year. You know, they followed through, you know, the, the expectations were there and they delivered for sure with an exclamation point here in the state championship game. They're your eight man state champions for 2023. Well, Mitch, should we take a quick break and then we'll be joined by Kyle Campmeyer, Logan Walters. We'll talk all things class 1A state championship, the rematch between Lena Winslow and Camp Point Central. Brink Sportswear offers totally custom made-to-order football uniforms that allow coaches and athletic directors to take control of their brands. The uniforms are available in sublimated and tackle twill. They offer free digital mock-ups, free shipping on team orders, and free physical samples before you buy so you know exactly how you're spending your program's money. Uniform sets start at $99 for sublimated and $120 for tackle twill. You can find them on Twitter or go to brinksportswear.com. View from the West podcast is also sponsored by the Cupcake Cartel, gourmet cupcakes that are made to order. Over 40 flavors, including wedding cake, lemon blueberry, strawberry milkshake, snickerdoodle, and Oreo. Perfect for weddings, birthdays, showers, fundraisers, or any event. You can find the Cupcake Cartel on Facebook. We thank them for their support. Welcome back. Let's get into the main event for this week's episode, the Class 1A state championship game, the rematch between Lena Winslow and Camp Point Central. Mitch, it's kind of a matchup we had our eye on for a long time. Obviously, both these teams were the number one seeds in the North and the South, and here we are. We got that matchup. It took some big wins along the way, but uh, we got here, the rematch, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, this is what you like to see. We, we talk a lot about you know, one versus 32 rankings and how we think that should be it. Well, these are the top two teams in, in 1A. So uh, regardless of how they were seeded or if it was North and South, we got here. We got to the two best teams in 1A once again uh, playing for the the Class 1A state championship. So, yeah, it's everything that we hope for. It's two, two really, really good programs. Another season for both of these schools of undefeated football really haven't shown a whole lot of signs of distress other than, than Lena in the semifinals, which we'll get into that. But um yeah you, you couldn't ask for anything more here in a class 1a state championship yeah really excited about this one and you know if we're going to be breaking down class 1a this matchup we got to bring in some local experts some uh you know some guys who know the ins and outs of these teams and the conferences they come from so we bring in kyle campmeyer from nuicfootball.com you can find nuic football on facebook and on twitter and we also got representing the uh wivc Logan Walters from WIBC Football. You can find them on Twitter as well. Well, Kyle, you know, you're uh, familiar to uh, to the show here. You've been around a little bit. You know uh, you know a thing or two about Lena Winslow? You know, just a little bit. I've only been following him for a few years. Not much. <laughs> they give you some talking points over the years. So, yeah. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring you in. That's why you're here to talk Lena Winslow. But we also got Logan Walters. Logan, first time on View from the West podcast. Welcome in. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, it's a very ple big pleasure to be here. Uh, I obviously represent just a, a part of the WIBC. I, I want to thank my other admins that helped me out over there. 
Um, I'm not quite the expert you might find in, uh, you know, Shuck or Jack Hall, but uh, I have caught Camp Point several times this year and several times throughout the years as well since I've been covering them. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to this Friday. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, let's get right into it. You know, when you're, you've said you've watched Camp Point Central this year, you've had eyes on them. What have you seen throughout the season and in this playoff run? And I guess we'll start with what what makes them different this year or what do we expect out of this year's version of Camp Point Central in this championship game? I think they have a lot more experience this time around. You know, you have Ginnenbacher, uh, Niekamp, um, Pabin, Connor Griffin. They all had, you know, they all had some playing time in the state game last year. Uh, and so I think that's helped them this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, you know, a big part of, you know, them being back here and maybe not being phased by, you know, some of the opponents along the way, especially maybe when you get into that state level. So Kyle, Lena Winslow, you know, we see them year in and year out. They're three-time defending state champions. What is the identity of this year's Lena Winslow team? Tell me about, you know, the 2023 version here. Well, the 2023 version definitely has a lot of senior leadership on it, but what it does not have is a lot of returning starters. You know, that was one of the big focal points at the start of the year was that Lena Winslow only had four returning starters, albeit the biggest one being Gage Dunker on both sides of the ball, returning from a defensive line, which they've moved him to linebacker this year. And of course, at the fullback position where he's right up there in NUIC rushing folklore now um which is great he's having a, a hellacious um dead awesome senior season for sure but uh you know one of the things about this lena winslow team is their offensive line is one of the biggest lines that they've had and when you take a look at the returners there odin stabenaw and tanner kepler are the only two guys that were turned off of last year's line Odin weighs about 280 pounds and Tanner Kempel weighs about 230 pounds, but then they've been able to add a couple different pieces to that um, with, with a few different guys. Uh, one of them being uh, Gannon Dunker, the youngest Dunker brother, uh, who's only a freshman. So, I mean, he's been able to get some playing time in and out. And now they've reestablished him into a starting role there, uh, which has been good for his, um, ability to grow and get better at the same time. Uh, but you got a couple other guys on there like Luke Stabenow, who has um, played mostly on the defensive line. And, and then there's a couple other guys too that have done an excellent job for uh, Lena Winslow to start off the year. And they continue to just get better and better. Yeah. You know, when you talk about getting better and better, I feel like this Camp Point Central team, we knew they'd be good this year, but I think really in this playoff run, you've really seen them kind of, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like they're playing their best football right now. And Logan, you've been at, you know, some of these games in this playoff run. What have you seen from this team? What What's working so well for them right now? Um, Eliza Genenbacher has kind of just been red hot throughout this playoff run. Uh, he's got over 600 yards rushing and I think 14 touchdowns. Uh, and a lot of other people have stepped up as well. Jack Thompson has made two amazing plays in each of the last two games. More uh, in regards to the special teams, Marco Rodriguez has been phenomenal. Um, 
just the schemes they've put out there you know they i think they've recovered i don't know if it's four or five onside kicks in the last two games their special teams has just been on another level since they've entered the playoffs yeah mitch talk a little bit about you know how important is it from what you know from what you've seen and what you've read about camp point central and they're really playing great football all three phases you know it's offense defense and special teams you're you know sometimes it sounds cliche to say they're doing it on all in all phases of the game but they literally are i mean they've had some huge special teams plays yeah they've been utilizing that element of surprise right on on their on their kickoff team that certainly helped in the Altoff game, you you have to have plays like that in order to defeat a team like Altoff. Now, we, we talked a lot about whether that was an upset or not, um, and I still don't believe that it was. But but still, the quality of Altoff requires you to catch them off guard, and that's where if you have that ability to have those onside kicks. And, I mean, if you've seen the highlights of how they do it, they they do it to perfection. It is so good. It's so cool to watch. Um but yeah, this, this team has has been on fire all season. We've we've talked about or we, we've seen their defense a lot. I, I don't know how many shutouts that they they've had this year, but you know they're only averaging I think under ten points a game allowed, and that offense is is near fifty. So this is a great program for the second straight year. Um, I think what they've won twenty five of their last twenty six games now, and their only one loss is Selena Winslow. So yep, they get them again, and um, yeah, this this is too. I mean, <laughs> the similarities between these two teams are are really, really. It's just so interesting that, well, I say it's interesting, but it's also not because you expect two teams of the caliber of Lena Winslow and in Central Point, or sorry, Camp Point Central, to get back to the state championship, and here we are once again. Yeah, you know, looking at this state championship game, you know, Logan, I guess we'll kind of start with, you know, maybe the overarching question. What does Camp Point Central need to do different this year? Or what, you know, what do you think needs to work? What needs to be effective to, to get over that hump, to get that win, you know, to score some points against this tough Lita Winslow team and to slow them down? I think they really need to try and do a better job this year of controlling the clock. Uh, I think they need to do exactly what they did against Greenfield Northwestern last week in the first quarter. They came out the gate, opening drive. It's the eight, eight and a half minute opening drive. So I think controlling the clock would help them a lot. Uh, and honestly, other than that, just kind of stick to what they've been doing all year, you know, feeding, feeding Gennenbacher the ball up the middle and then having Pabin jump it out to the outside. Um, yeah. Yeah. Kyle, when you look at, you know, Lena Winslow's end of things here, I think what's really interesting about this matchup is that you go from a challenge in the semifinals against a Chicago Hope team that really wanted to spread you out and really use their athleticism in the open field. And that that was a great game. I mean, it came down to, you know, an interception late in the game to seal that win for Lena Winslow, a way they haven't been tested in a long time. But now you kind of fast forward a week. This challenge against Camp Point Central is the complete opposite. It's now a team that wants to kind of have the same look and feel that, that, that Lena Winslow does, you know, they do the same thing you do. So uh, talk about, you know, how different do you think practice is this week? I I'm excited to talk to head coach Rick Aaron. Um, that interview will be available for people to listen to this week as well, but I, I can't wait to get his take on how different do you think practice looks this week? As far as you're scheming for a much different looking team. 
I think for Lena Winslow, I think the biggest challenge was scheming for a Chicago Hope team that even on film, you could definitely tell that they were very athletic. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that really impressed me about Hope from last year to this year was defensive wise, they definitely brought a different type of physicality that we saw against Lena Winslow compared to what we saw against Forston just a year ago. Offensive wise, and, and and Mitch said it last week on Hope with how they played Rova Williamsfield was that Eddie Jenkins Jr. could just do about anything he wanted to because he was so fast. And the offensive line was so big that while they, to me, they didn't seem like they were physical because they didn't do really well in the run game aspects against Lena Winslow, but their pass blocking technique was very good. And they were, and they were big enough to give him a pocket and a hole. And then on top of that, his ability to evade oncoming rush and then his speed on top of that. And then the fact that he can just throw piss missiles all over the place, 60 yards down the field and put it on the money was just impressive to see. I mean, watching him in person is even more impressive than watching him on film because you get to see his playmaking ability. And, and, and trying to scheme for that, for Lena Winslow, is a lot tougher than what it is going to be as far as scheming for Camp Point Central, a team that runs a very familiar style of offense that Lena Winslow sees on a regular basis. We've seen the double wing from Dakota. The double ring from Forreston is almost identical to how – Camp Point Central runs it. Um, so, and, and with the amount of times that we've seen Forreston and Lena Winslow match up, especially in recent years, the familiarity and the practice for that is going to be similar for them. So I think this week, as far as game planning, I think it gets a little bit easier in the realm of defending them offensively. But to what Logan stated, you know, something that we've seen out of Camp Point Central here in the past couple of weeks in the playoffs is their tendencies on special teams where they've been able to place well-timed and unprecedented type of onside kicks to keep the ball away from the opposing team and allow them another opportunity to score. And that was really one of the things that you could see take place against Altoff Catholic when they beat them was they, they attacked right away on defense. They were able to force a punt, get that blocked punt, convert it into a score the very next play. The ensuing kickoff, they force a fumble, recover it, punch that in a play or two later. And within less than two minutes of game time, you're already up 16 to nothing. And then you allow Altoff to basically drive the field on you. You force an interception in the end zone. And four plays later, you're back at midfield. Then you're punching it in. And then you get the onside kick that we've seen all over social media where it went right through the hands of Altoff's defender or receiver and right into the hands of CPC right on the sidelines. 
to set up that 30 and nothing score. I mean, you could just see it just in the clips. I mean, I watched John Huff from uh, Gateway Sports in his 30 minute yeah. clip view that he had. And, and, and that just shell shocked Altoff. They didn't know what to do anymore. And that's the kind of things that physical power teams like Lena Wenzel and CPC can do. But that's a different element that CPC has been very good at doing right now. And, and like Logan said, they're really hot and they're showing it on the field in all facets of the game. Mitch, two. Uh, first of all, first of all, Mitch, uh, piss missiles is the reason we bring Kyle Campmeyer into this podcast. That's the analysis we need. That's the good stuff. But <laughs> so hearing all that, Mitch, knowing that, you know, two really good head coaches, what I'm really intrigued by in this matchup is you have two excellent head coaches as far as obviously building a program, but just being able to lead the team, getting that buy-in and game planning. I just, I, I'm yeah. really impressed with what both these teams do. So I guess the question for you, Mitch, is who do you see having an advantage, you know, as far as, you know, going into this one? When you look at can CPC get some of those, you know, catch you off guard type of moments that they had against Altoff or, you know, some game planning things that, you know, the defense doesn't see coming? Yeah, you know, watching, watching that semifinal game, I, I think I learned more about Lena Winslow than I would have had they won. You saw the Panthers get into a situation being down two scores in the second half that they haven't been in in a long time. And that offense is not equipped to come back from that a lot. That's, you know, when you're, when you're run first offense and you're essentially running against the clock and you have to make the most of every possession you have because you know what Hope can do on offense. Um, again, I, I was really, really impressed with their resolve because again, they don't have to dig into that, into their tool chest a lot. They haven't had to in a while. So for them to make adjustments on the fly, to be able to defend against a team running an offense that they do not, they do not face, right? That the hope offense does not exist in the NUIC. I don't, I don't mean that as a slight to do pack. They just run things a little bit differently, um, a little bit different um, style there, but you saw them, them making those adjustments, like the play action passes, right? They, they passed, I don't know, six times all year. And then, um, you know, they had two, two long touchdown passes there. You, you got to do those type of things to win those games when you're in those situations. So again, it had, had Lena Winslow gone in and won, I, it wouldn't have surprised me. Like if they would have won like every other game. Right. Yeah. But what I, what I mean is just coming from behind in the second half, Throwing in some wrinkles there. You saw Coburn Lynch kind of, it's not a coming out party for him, but he's going to be their star guy next year. So to see him play well on, on both sides of the ball. I, I just, I've said it a bunch of times this year. I It's really going to be hard to beat Lena Winslow at their own game. I thought it was going to take, uh, Kyle, I, I texted you about this, what it would take to beat Lena. And I, I thought it was a dual threat quarterback, kind of what Hope had presented. It's really hard to beat Lena at their own game. CPC is incredibly talented. They do a lot of great things. This should be a really great matchup. I don't think if we were, you know, if we lived in Vegas that you wouldn't, you know, make the spread very far because this should be a close game. It should be uh, hard hitting. It, it should go pretty quick, right? <laughs> two, two rushing offenses. Yeah. But 
again, I just think with what Lena showed me, it it almost like it unlocked a different level of Lena Winslow that I didn't know that they had. And I think ultimately that might give them the edge in this game. Yeah, Kyle, and talking to people, you know, at the game or if you've, you know, caught up with any coaches or players, was that hope game kind of a wake-up call or a, I mean, I don't think they ever, you know, lose focus. That's not what I'm intending. Lena Winslow does not lose focus, but this one certainly tested them in a way they haven't really been tested. Is that a good thing heading into this state championship game? I think so. Um, because this team, like last year's team, just has a level of focus um, that they know that they can win. Um and they don't want to be the team that loses at the same time that, you know, they take a lot of pride in knowing that they have a 32 game win streak. They take a lot of pride in knowing that they're going for their fourth consecutive state title. They want to be the team that sets history. They don't want to be the team that says, Oh, we could have been, we could have been that team. They don't want that. Um, and, you know, I, I feel that Coach Aaron and his staff going into that game knew that they'd be able to do things that they wanted to offensively. And I think that's a part that gets lost on the whole closeness of the game is the fact that Lena Winslow still outgained hope in the game. I mean, they put up 416 yards of offense, 370 yards on the ground, and a lot of people forget that because of how close the game was. So it's not, I mean, yes, we saw Lena Winslow drive deep into Hope territory a lot in that game and get turned away on downs more times than what we're used to seeing. And that credit comes from Hope just stepping up and playing some smash mouth defense that we're not used to them doing. Um, But then at the same token, they had, I mean, you, you said it best. There's not a single team, probably Altoff really with Deer Hill and Charleston Colden are probably the only guys that are fast enough to match what uh, Jamari West and uh, Aaron Green had as far as speed capabilities. But Jaden Ellington is no Eddie Jenkins Jr. at quarterback. I mean, I've watched Lena Winslow go up against Division One quarterbacks, and Eddie Jenkins probably threw the best ball I've ever seen out of a quarterback at the high school level in person. I mean, wow. the ability of him, like I said, to either A, stay in the pocket, or B, get out of the pocket, and the fact that he could throw it on the dime against his body on the run, you just don't see that kind of athleticism even at the 7A and 8A quarterback some, most of the times. I mean, the, the kid could flat out ball, and, I mean, he could throw a mile. I mean, you, you yeah. talk about those guys that throw a country mile, that's Eddie Jenkins Jr., man. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in all essence, the, the fact that Lena Winslow won the game isn't the surprise. As you stated, the, the more – it actually was Mitch that stated the more impressive thing was the fact that they were down two touchdowns in the second half and were able to stay poised and then get back in and take the lead 
and then able to hold on because they had other opportunities to put the game away. I mean, they were inside the 30 two different times in the second half of the game, and they just couldn't convert. And the way that Hope plays, I mean, they can change the field in a second. I mean, it was they're just that fast. And nobody – I've never seen anybody at the 1A level with that kind of speed where with a quarterback that can throw it 60 yards in the air and make it look easy. And, you know, there was a big play that he had green wide open down the right sideline and it went into green's hands and it came right back out and had a green held onto that. We're probably talking about Chicago hope being in the state championship game instead of Lena Winslow right now. Yeah. Mitch, Mitch, what do you got? You had your, you had your hand raised. I was going to say too, um, I think Kyle, am I right that Lena had five turnovers, both with fumbles and turnovers on downs? Yeah, one turnover on a fumble, and then yeah, four turnover on downs. Okay, so four, four or five turnovers, whatever it was. Just that again, that type of adversity that and Logan, you can speak to this too on, on the Camp Point Central side. That's just another hurdle that they had to overcome that you hadn't seen Lena Winslow really been put in this year. So. Um, again, just wanted to, to make that point as another, not only were they down two scores, but they, they continually were having trouble running the ball, turnover on downs. They had that, that fumble that on, uh, on Hope's side of the field. So uh, again, it's just what, I think what they learned and how they overcame some things in the semifinal might just again, give them the edge here. Yeah. I, I, I kind of have to agree with you a little bit. Uh, Lena definitely, I, I don't know if I'd say you'd almost say they, they kind of got shocked. You know, uh, I don't think anybody had really played with them like that all year. Uh, Camp Point uh, didn't really have that. You know, they Calhoun kind of gave them some pretty tough games early in the season and in the playoffs. Uh, but other than that, nobody was been able to really keep up with Camp Point this year. Yeah, overall, overall, this is just an exciting matchup, you know, because I what I love about it is it's obviously – the, the number one seeds on both sides, which we talked about in the beginning. But I think that now you have the experience of Camp Point Central back in this game. And you have Lena Winslow, who's always, you know, geared up, always ready for the challenge. And they, you know, they rose up to the challenge last week and they got the job done. And now here they are. I'm just really interested to see, you know, how much of a difference does that one, that game last year make for Camp Point Central? where maybe they're not quite as, you know, they're not quite as uh, shook by that physicality right off the start. They've seen it once. They've been able to watch a full game film, you know, honestly, talking to Coach Dixon, and he said the best way we can prep for this year's game against Lena Winslow is to watch the game film last year. So, you know, sure, they're probably going to watch some other games from this season, but I think a big part of planning for this one is to watch last year. And what did those players who are back on defense, what do they need to do differently? So I think they really are relying on, you know, this game, the game last year to help them out in this game. So I guess we'll start going, uh, you know, going down the way here. What are the keys for Camp Point Central? What are the keys for Lena Winslow? Um, Kyle, I'll start with you. What's the, you know, we've kind of talked, you know, all about it, but you know, when you get down to the bottom line here, what's the keys for Lena Winslow to be successful in this one? I think they got to get going early. I mean, and that's kind of cliche to a degree, but I think if they start with the ball 
they have to be able to get Dunker going early. And then on top of that, be able to utilize Lynch off tackle as well to kind of be able to have that one-two punch. And then, you know, there's been other times where we've seen uh, Nick Tippett or Lucas Fye also be able to contribute in the run game um, to give that proverbial three-headed monster. Really, it's like a two-and-a-half-headed monster this year. You got Dunker, you got Lynch, and then you got one of those two guys that are kind of getting the third realm of the carries. Um, Defensively, though, you know, like Logan stated, you know, you got to be able to stop Gennenbacher, but you also have to be able to contribute and and pay close attention to Pabin. And, you know, CPC is going to run a belly series very similar to what Forreston does, where you're going to see a dive and then you're going to see a double dive. Um, but what CPC does do a little bit different, and we've seen Forreston do it in the past too, but they kind of fake the dive one way, and then they have the other wing back cut back the other direction. And when they can do that, you have to be able to stay sound, fundamental, stay home, play your gap responsibilities, of which I feel both teams when it comes to defensive play, are very disciplined at that. Um, You know, one of the things that we saw last year in this matchup was, you know, Lena Winslow never was never not in control. It's kind of like how you expressed their game with Anna Juan Weathersfield, that slow burn. Like they were getting that four to six yards per carry, nothing off the top, but it was just consistent. Boom, 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 boom. And, you know, the thing is, and I remember talking to Logan about it even last year in the press box, they're always like that one tackle away from breaking it. And, and But CPC would come up with that tackle. And, you know, even talking to, um, like, Coach Aaron, you know, he stated that, you know, the line play last year, I, he, he drilled the line at halftime. I mean, it was – because they were right there. All they had to do was get that one extra block, and then you got Lobdell going 60 yards instead of six yards, and they just could not get to the edge to do that. And credit to TPC. I mean, they came up and they played a physical-style defense, which we expect them to do. Um, and really, and to be quite honest, the biggest takeaway I had from last year's game was just the fact that up until the subs went in the game, they only had like 65 yards on the ground. They just couldn't move the ball at all until Lena Wenzel said, okay, we'll put our second string in. But defensively, I felt that they did it. They had the right game plan in place, right? They had the right game plan to slow down the Lena Winslow offense, but they could not stop it. And, you know, part of that into this year's game is that experience. And for Lena Winslow, they got to get off the ball fast. They're, they're not going to be able to sit back and wait because if you sit back and wait against Camp Point Central, they have the experience. They have the confidence. They've already beat a team that most people across the state said could not be beat. So what else do they have to lose? This is their third trip to state in five years now. They're familiar with what they got to do. It's no more of that eye-opening, holy shit, we're at state now. 
It's here we are. We know what we want. And we're here. We have what we want in front of us. And that's one of the things I see in this year's CPC team is they just seem to have a different level of focus. And it's a focus that you see in Lena Winslow. And to me, that that does. It, it builds up for what we should expect to see a great championship game that everybody is really honing in on. And I, the the atmosphere and the energy starting to build up already. And here it is only Monday night. But, man, I can't wait till Friday gets here. Yeah, I think you, you spoke to something there that I, I completely agree with. I think that that win over Altoff was obviously, you know, huge just because it was, you know, a quarterfinal win. And it was a win that a lot of people said, you know, on paper, you know, Altoff is going to, you know, run, run their way to that state championship game. And I think that what's so big about that win is that you build that confidence, right? And now I think you just start playing with that extra level of confidence, knowing that any team can be beaten. If we execute, if we do our things, we can knock off anybody. And that, that's a dangerous recipe. I mean, Logan, you saw it firsthand, you know, in that game against Altoff, and now what led into the game against, you know, um, Greenfield Northwestern in the semifinal. It just seems like that confidence is there. They're rolling. That's got to be a huge key going into this state championship game as compared to years past. Yes, confidence is going to play a huge factor. And honestly, I, I think both teams are just going to have very similar, very similar keys to the game. And like I said, in the, you know, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. They're both going to be trying to control the clock. I don't think this is going to be a very high scoring game at all. Uh, if I'm camp point, you know, I'm having somebody tackle uh, Dunker on every play. If I'm Lena Winslow, having somebody tackle Ginnenbacher on every play, you know, it's, these teams are so similar in so many different ways. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to imagine. Yeah. T Logan, t you talked about the offensive side of the ball, you know, what CPC needs to do. Talk about on defense this year, this go around an experienced defense that has a lot of speed. I mean, they're, you know, they really feel like they can get to the edge and that, you know, when guys try to beat them to the corner, they can get there and make those plays. And the important thing is then once you get there, you got to make that tackle. And like Kyle said last year, you know, they would get there and make the tackle for the most part, but a few here or there things that were, you know, they didn't make the play. And that was the difference in that one. How big can defense be this year around, you know, this go around with a little bit more experience? I think it's going to help a lot. Uh, you know, Caden Ecamp returns. Uh, he, he was a starter on the team last year. As a freshman, he's a sophomore this year. Uh, Ginnenbacher, he was an honorable mention All-State last year. He was another starter. I think Pabin started on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think experience and their just ability to tackle in the open field is going to help them much, help them a lot this year. Yeah. All right, Mitch. What say you on this uh, championship game? What are the keys? What are you looking for to be the difference in this one? Yeah, I think Logan said it best that the, the kind of the keys to win are going to be similar for both teams where – and, and to Kyle's point, too, it, it's a lot of cliches that are thrown around, but this is the type of game where it's true. You you have to win the battle up front. Um, so whoever is going to be able to control the trenches and, and open up those gaps for their running backs is ultimately going to be able to control the ball. So I, I feel like both teams <laughs> are going to be trying to do that. Um, defensively, knowing how both of these offenses operate, it, it almost is like, to me, what defensive coordinators go through when you're going up against like the Navy 
or any sort of triple option attack. You have your assignment, stick to it. Don't get out of position. Um, you know, your, your, your guy is your guy and then let someone else's responsibility be their problem. Because if you, if you keep contained, you're going to keep those longer plays in check. Um, certainly if, if Lena Winslow starts doing their, their play action passes and, and having some fun, uh, you know, kind of misdirection or, or whatever it may be, if you get out of place there, they can take advantage of it. Both teams can do that. I don't mean that just from a leaner perspective, both teams can do that. So, um, I, I also think this will be lower scoring. Um, again, I, I said earlier, I think it'll be a pretty quick game because I, I think it's a lot of runs, but, um, again, if, if, if either team can stop the other from showing that element of surprise, right? If it's, if it's CPC doing anything on special teams, or if it's again, Lena throwing in a play action pass here and there, it, it, whoever can stop the other team from that element of surprise, I think is going to have the, they're going to be holding the trophy at the end of the, uh, the end of the morning. Yeah. Mitch, if uh, the team who ends up with more passing yards, if they end up winning the game, are you going to like boycott? The, the the winner that they they shouldn't be allowed to win with passing the ball it's it's bad enough that lena did it once and then they did it twice <laughs> but then again it's it, they needed to do it so i i can't i can't fault them there and they were great those those play designs were really really good so to have that in your in your bag of tricks um all credit to uh the lena coaching staff for i would assume that they practice that a lot just in case they have to do it and uh but yeah, I, I don't expect a lot of passing here on Friday morning. Logan, what if, speaking of the passing game, what have you seen from Camp Point Central this year? I know in the game against Altoff, they had a you know a play where they dumped it over the top and kind of caught Altoff off guard on a passing touchdown. They have some, they have a couple guys that are weapons on the you know outside that can go up and catch a pass this year, which may be a little different than what they've had in years past. Yeah, they can definitely pass the ball. I think Nick Moore's completion rate, uh, completion percentage is around six, uh, 65, 67%. One of their go-to guys is Jack Thompson. Uh, he's six four, so he's a guy you can occasionally just lob it up to if you need to, and if you're in a third and long. Uh, occasionally, I think the pass you're referring to is a, I think it may have been a double pass or a halfback pass or something. Yeah, that sounds right. They threw, to, they threw it to Pabin. And it caught it right in front of me. I think it set him up. Uh, it was first and goal. Uh, but that was kind of another surprise play, you know. Uh, but, no, they can definitely pass when they need to. Yeah. I think that, you know, like, Mitch, you just kind of called it out. I think there could be, you know, that element of surprise with a play-action pass or something that, you know, catches that defense kind of asleep a little bit when they start, you know, keying in on, you know, one or two guys going up the middle or trying to, you know, run between the tackles. So, it. Overall, it's just an intriguing matchup. I'm, I'm glad we have this game, you know, this rematch. I'm excited to watch this one. Is it prediction time? Is that where we're going here before we wrap it up? Yeah, All right. let's do it. All right, all right. Who's Who wants to go first? Who's the brave soul that wants to go first? I'll go first. I'll all go. right, all right. <laughs> I was just about to say something, but <laughs> go, ahead. go ahead, Kyle. I think I already saw yours on uh, on the page. You you probably did. I mean, I, I I've broken down the numbers. I've taken a look at the spread. The spread has Lena Winslow favored by five. When you break down the numbers on scoring differential, it's got CPC favored by four. Um, my pick. I think you. I think when you take a look at 
how the two style of teams play. I, I do think it's going to be a close game. I think we'll start to see a little bit more uh, scoring in the second half. I think it's going to be a chess match in the first half. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see three offensive possessions by each team in the first half of the game. Um, but I, I, I like Lena Wenzel 36 to 28, um, an eight point score differential. And it could be even closer than that. And who knows? I mean, we could be talking about Camp Point Central even taking the title back home to, for them. But I do like Lena Wenzel in the game. I think they are the favorite. They are the number one ranked team. Um, and I, I do expect CPC to come in here and put up more point this time around, having the returning players that they have and the familiarity of the big game. All right, Logan, what say you? Uh, just about all season, for, for, since the beginning of the season, I kind of thought, you know, uh, Lena Winslow, Altoff, they're just kind of on a, a tier of their own. Well, we saw how Camp Point handled Altoff. Um, that's, that's you know, that's the past now. Um, I think Camp Point, with the experience they're going to be bringing in from last year, they're not going to be as nervous. They won't have, uh, they hopefully won't have that early interception that really kind of got them down last year. Um not to mention they'll have a they'll have a pretty like I said you know earlier they have, they'll have a pretty good idea just of you know what to expect from Lena how physical they'll be um, that and paired with just how hot Camp Point's been uh, the confidence they're going to have going into this game uh, I, I think that gives them the slight edge uh, so I'm going to go with Camp Point 28 and uh, Lena uh, 24. I love it I love it Mitch what do you got? Look, here, here's the thing. Um, Kyle, I'm going to throw something that you put out there on Twitter um, that we hadn't discussed yet. This is the first back-to-back championship rematch in Class 1A history. Um, no no previous year runner-up has ever made it back. So this is, you know, there, there's history on the line here in more ways than one in this matchup. Um, it, it won't surprise me if, if Camp Point Central is lifting the trophy at the end of the afternoon. But... I'm going to stick to my guns that we've we've had all year that you have to prove it to me that you can beat a Lena Winslow team. Hope got close, um, closer than anybody's got in the past couple of years. Camp Point Central presents a very, very good opponent. I think for me, it's just a little too similar to Lena Winslow to get over them. Um, there's, there's never been a team in 1A that have won four straight 1A titles. I think that will change on Friday morning. I've got Lena Winslow 28-14 with a late score to pull away. All right. All right. Um, I feel like my prediction is, uh, is good because when Kyle said his prediction, we were pretty darn close. I'm going to say... Lena Winslow is going to get the win 35-28. I I agree with a lot of what um you know a lot of what all of you have said. Um I think that it I'm hoping for a great game. I, I hope it's an instant classic, you know, a game that we're going to be raving about, you know, next week for just an all-time classic, you know, kind of finish. And I think both teams are going to be you know, as ready to go as you, you know, possibly can be in a state championship game. And by that, I mean, 
Like the focus is going to be there. I think both of these coaching staffs, both these programs, these kids, they're fully bought in. They're so committed. And I think I know that any team at the state championship game feels that way. But I think if you really watch Camp Point Central and you really watch what Lena Winslow does, I think that these teams, they operate on another level. They really are, you know, for high school level kids, they really are dialed in. And we've seen it play out this year in some huge games. Lena Winslow saw it in the adversity they faced last week. Camp Point Central saw it against a very talented all-tough team to get that win. I think when it comes down to it, like Mitch said, I think I need to see someone prove it to me. And maybe maybe Camp Point Central is that team. It's going to be close. It's going to be a great game. But I'm going to just give that slight edge to Lena Winslow because I, I just, until I see someone do it, I, I just don't know. I just feel like this, you know, Lena Winslow team is, they're just ready to go. They're physical. They're tough. They execute. You know, they get the job done when they need to in the, you know, on the biggest stage. So, all right, boys, that uh, that wraps us up. That's the uh, that's the breakdown and the analysis of the Class 1A state championship game between undefeated Lena Winslow, undefeated Camp Point Central. The rematch is set for 10 a.m. Friday morning. I can't wait to watch this one. It's going to be great. Logan, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for, uh, you know, weighing in on your, uh, you know, knowledge of Camp Point Central. Thanks for having me again. You know, I'm not, uh, I do way better at typing my ideas out than actually, uh, you know, <laughs> speaking them out. I have a little bit of a stutter, you know, um, I'm probably gonna, you know, I haven't really posted my prediction yet. It sounds like we're all very close. Uh, I think Mitch was the only one that had a, had a, had a prediction with, with uh, more than just more than one score. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be great. And you did great. You were, you were, your analysis was spot on. I love it. I so appreciate it. <laughs> Kyle. I hope, you... uh, I hope I make, I hope I make some camp point fans uh, proud. There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. The uh, Western Illinois, we're kind of adopting camp point central as one of our own here on view from the West. And they're not, they're not in a conference we cover, but, you know, if Shuckman and Dewar cover them as, as well as Quincy and the schools down that way, like Macomb and other schools that do that we do cover, we're going to adopt, you know, Camp Point Central. We like we like Coach Dixon and we like what they do down there. So, uh, yeah, he's such a good guy. Uh, it's such a great program over there. Um, all the coaches on the staff just kind of buy in across all sports. I know Lena Winslow does uh, their coaching staff is very similar. You know, yeah. you have coaches from the football team that coaches that coach other sports. Uh, but yes, I, I met Brad Dixon right before the game um, last season, and uh, he, you know, he had every, you know, every right to be stressed out, but he still took time, shook my hand, you know, introduced, you know, there was no introduction really needed. You know, yeah. I was very honored to kind of kind of meet him then. Yeah, it seems like a lot of mutual respect between coaches as well, between coach Aaron and coach Dixon. So you love to see that. And that, that makes for a great matchup. So Kyle, you geared up for a trip to uh, Hancock stadium. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I've only ever watched the state games on TV at Hancock. I've never been there for an actual game. So a new venue an upgraded venue at that, um, going to Illinois state, uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited. A little bit closer drive to home than Champaign, but uh, a little bit further in DeKalb, of course. But yeah, um, yeah no, I, I think that the change of venue has 
been great. I'm excited to see the impact it has uh, for the viewership of the state championship. I just by looking at how people are interacting on social media, it seems like we might even see a larger crowd than what we've seen in years past with it being in Champaign and DeKalb. So I'm really intrigued to see how many people show up for these state championship games. Yeah, for sure. I hope it's should be decent weather, hopefully, and uh, hopefully they get some good crowds there. And uh, yeah, I hope that Illinois State can really put their best foot forward and be a location that, you know, maybe the permanent home for a, for a while. Cause I think that it's kind of a, you know, blast for the past to get back to, you know, Hancock stadium where they were historically for years. And uh, you know, I think it's a centralized location and we've talked all about it, but uh, I'm excited to see how it, how it plays out there. So, well, all right. When was, the last year they, when was the last year they had it there? Good question, Kyle. Do you know off the top of your head? I think Kyle knows. 98. I thought it was was 98, and that would have, uh, not to make anybody feel old, but I would have been one year old. (laughs) (laughs) It was my, uh, it was actually, it was my senior year of high school. It was the last year it was played there. There you go. All right. Carthage beat Sterling Newman. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Ironically, just talking to Coach Unruh on Friday at the eight-man state championship game, and I told him. One of my one of my favorite state championship moments is when Carthage threw their 29th pass of the season for the game-winning touchdown over Sterling Newman. There you go. <laughs> look at that recall. I think that game's on YouTube. I'll have to look that up. Find that. That'll be awesome. Go back. All right, it's out there. Well, thank you so much to Logan Walters. You can find W. IVC football on Twitter and Kyle Campmeyer NUIC football. They have you covered on both sides of things from the Camp Point Central side of things and the Lena Winslow side of things heading into this weekend's action. So thank you both for being here. Mitch, we still got more brackets to talk about here. So uh, yeah. after, after a quick break, we'll jump in to class 2A through 8A. We're giving your full state championship primer here for uh all the classes, everything you need to know. So we'll be right back. Hey, just want to take a minute to thank everyone who listens, who's followed along all season. If you like what you're listening to and you want to support us, consider heading over to PayPal. You can search us on PayPal, View From West Pod, or head to paypal.me slash viewfromwestpod. We appreciate anyone who listens. If you want to help support us, we encourage you to go out and do so. Thank you so much. The Quad Cities' first and only fantasy football show, For Fantasy Sake, has you all covered when it comes to all of your fantasy football needs. The guys come to you live every Sunday morning during the football season from 10 to 11.30. They've got the best analysis, rankings, DFS, and gambling advice between The Rock and Mississippi Rivers. So tune in to For Fantasy Sake every Sunday during the football season from 10 to 11.30 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. All right, so that's your look. That's the breakdown on Class 1A. Thank you again to Kyle and to Logan for stepping in and helping us out as our resident experts, you know, knowing all things NUIC and WIVC. That's going to be a great matchup in Class 1A. If you want to hear a little more about that matchup, I sat down, did some one-on-one interviews with Rick Aaron, the head coach of Lena Winslow, and Brad Dixon, the head coach from Camp Point Central. Depending on when you're listening to this, Those interviews will be available on YouTube or on our podcast feed on Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday night. 
Now we're going to jump into class 2A through class 8A. We're going to give you a little bit of the primer here. But Mitch, if you want the, you know, the rest of the story, maybe the good stuff, all the fine details, everyone needs to go check out the Uniview State Championship previews. Am I right? Yes, that is absolutely correct. If if you really want to know who's going to win the game, you just got to look at the details of the uniform and uh, we'll have that all broken down for you. That's right. That episode will be available sometime on Wednesday. So depending on when you're listening to this, you can head to our podcast feed, but that's a, that's a visual episode. So I really encourage everyone to go to our YouTube channel, watch the video. We'll be showing you the pictures of the uniforms as we discuss them. It's a lot of fun. It's our most anticipated episode of the year. I hope it's the listeners and the viewers as well, but yeah. I know it's yeah. our favorite. So, Great. all right, well, here we go. Let's get into these, uh, these class-by-class primers. So when you're sitting down to watch the state championship games, here's a little bit of the info, a little bit of the background that you need to know. Class 2A, it's going to be Wilmington versus Athens. It's two teams we're familiar with. We've called their names on state championship games recently. But let's talk about this year, 2023. How'd they get here? Yeah, let's uh, let's start in the north. Uh, we, we talked a lot about the two-way north this this year, certainly in, in the postseason. Uh, you had the five-seed Wilmington taking on the two-seed Rural Forsyth. And it's it's Wildcats, the Wilmington, that are headed back to the state championship for the fourth time in their school history, second time in the last three seasons. Uh, Greg, they beat, they beat the Trojans, who were previously unbeaten. But this was Wilmington's third consecutive playoff win this year against an undefeated opponent. So second round, quarterfinal, semifinal, all of their opponents were undefeated. That's how tough the 2A North was. Wow. Yeah, you're right. When you start talking about they beat Downs Tri-Valley, who was 10-0. They beat Seneca, who was 11-0. And then they took down Moroa Forsyth, who was 12-0 in the state semifinals. Yeah. That is and a gauntlet. Then, that is a run. Yeah, not, not just undefeated, but those are three perennial powers in, in yeah. two ways. So, yeah. but Wilmington is, is certainly one of them as well. So in this one, they, the Wildcat defense forced four turnovers and their star back Kyle Farrell scored three times. Uh, both he and Ryan Ketman were over a hundred yards to, uh, to lead their rushing effort. The final score in this one was Wilmington 42, Maroa Forsyth seven. Mitch, I, I believe that Wilmington, they're kind of one of your teams in the way that they, they don't throw the ball very much. They're kind no. of a, option type team and they you know a lot of use a use a lot of misdirection on the ground and they're right up your alley this 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 matchup with athens is going to be a lot of that not going to be a lot in both both these uh first games on friday that we're not going to see a lot of passing although as we talked about in the lena game they're kind of getting into that now to play action not a fan you know how <laughs> I am, but uh whatever it took to get to to win against hope and whatever it, it may take to beat central but uh yeah, there there definitely be a lot of running in those those first two games. Yeah, you got to throw a few wrinkles in there once in a while for sure. You know, talking about Wilmington, you know, Mitch, going back a round or two, I think we we said that we thought you know Seneca needed to prove it to us because they had gotten the win over Wilmington, but then yeah. we wondered, you know, how good were they? And now they certainly proved that they were good. They beat Rock Ridge handily, and then you get to this matchup with Wilmington and Seneca, and it was a battle. You know, once again, for the second time this season, Wilmington and Seneca battled to the very end, a classic game there in the quarterfinals. But then the way that Wilmington won this game so convincingly makes me really think like, man, we underestimated like Seneca and how good they were yeah. and, and Wilmington, obviously, because 
they really took, I mean, they really took care of business against a really good Morel Forsyth team here. It really opened my eyes when I saw that final score. Yeah. One, one thing they won't have, Greg, and I'm sure you've seen this, they will not have their awesome entrance into Hancock Stadium. Have you seen this? I have seen it. I just, uh, I shared it on uh, Twitter, on the X this yeah. week, uh, this weekend. What a, it's cool. I heard all about it, but I finally saw a video. Really cool. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's Jeff Reince Stadium, who uh, Jeff Reince is the coach, I think. Um, they, they're, it's kind of surrounded by the woods a little bit. And the players will, will come out of that. But lining them up or tunneling them into the field is just this line of motorcycles. Just And we, we've seen variations of this yeah. uh, from other schools. The EPC does it with trucks and there's other, you know, other places that do it. But, boy, it's intimidating to have all of those those hogs roaring and then the wildcats coming right out of the woods. So it's a really, really cool entrance. Yeah. So I saw the, the video we saw was from the playoff game. So it was a little brighter yeah. outside, obviously played on a Saturday afternoon. I need to see video or photo of that at night because that would look yeah. even cooler. Late right. in the season when it's a Friday night game would look awesome. Coming out of the darkness of the woods, like it's just a cool thing all the way around. So, yeah. Um, and hey, Mitch, it, give us a quick... Uh, the quick note about uh, Wilmington and Moreau Forsyth coming together here for, uh, you know, for Toys for Tots. That's a cool story. Yeah, yeah the, the coaches at uh, Moreau Forsyth had posted this today that I, I think they might call it Trojans for Tots something. I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss say what it is, but it, it's a Toys for Tots type of promotion. Um, and they must have been advertising it, and, and Wilmington got word of it because they brought um, a handful. It was a pretty good amount of, of toys. So. Um, Shout out to Wilmington for for that effort, and also for Murrow Forsyth for organizing such a such an event. So really cool to see both of those uh, two communities coming together for a good cause. Yeah, very cool. So that's that's Wilmington. We know we know about Wilmington. Let's talk a little bit about Athens. How'd they get here, Mitch? Yeah, the four seed Athens um, coming off of a, of a of a wild win against Nashville there in the semis, where Nashville um, missed a, a field goal to to win the game and then they missed it. But in this one, they, they beat Shelbyville 39 to six. The Warriors advanced to the state championship for the first time in school history, which that shocked me. Uh, they, they scored early. They scored often to beat Shelbyville in this one. They rolled up 538 yards rushing in the contest. They got a back Cameron uh, Begard led the attack with 295 yards on 23 carries. So um, again, did not know that this would this would be Ethan's first state championship appearance, but good good for that program because they've they've been good for a while. So yeah, I guess I stand corrected then because when we started this, I said two names we've called in state championship games, but well, I in the playoffs. Okay. Yeah, you you say the playoffs because that's certainly true. Yeah, I guess I was thinking. Um, you're right. It was Lena Winslow played Carrollton, and they're green. They're green and white. But yes, that was, I was thinking that was well, Athens, but it in, wasn't. Yeah. In every, every year, Athens is, is on the cusp of, of 1A and 2A. So we talk about them a lot. Yeah. And then they always seem to make it far, but this is the first time that they've, uh, they've gotten over that hump and getting into uh, finals weekend. All right. Well, they, yeah, I was, I was getting confused and I was thinking Carrollton, but yes, yeah. congratulations to Athens, who's never been there. So Athens and Wilmington. We'll be playing the what is that? 10 a.m. 11 a.m. game. 10. The, no, the one is at 10. This is the one o'clock. Okay, the one o'clock. Correct. 10, so 10, one, four, 10, one, four, seven. There you go. There you go. Thank you. 
Mitch, for correcting me on that as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we jump into Class 3A? Let's do it. All right. The Byron Tigers get the win 26-20 over Lombard Montini. Wow, what a what a great game between two state powerhouses here. I was trying to follow along with this one a little bit, but Mitch, I think you were watching or following along with this one. Give us the rundown on that. Yes, follow along with it. I, I did not see, let me just say off the jump, I did not see this coming. Um, just because, And we'll talk about Byron's numbers that they're looking at here in a minute. But um, from watching the Princeton-Lombard-Martini game, I, I just didn't see anything from Lombard-Martini that I thought would exceed that well against Byron. Um, not taking anything away from Montini. They're a very, very good team. Certainly one of the most tradition-rich programs in the state. But again, just the, the style of their play, I thought, matched up a little poorly against Byron's stout defense. But boy, I, I was incorrect because they they put the Tigers in a bind. So Byron, a little bit unfamiliar territory in this one. They trailed Montini late in the fourth quarter until sophomore Caden Costa and their star back intercepted a Bronco pass at the four. Now, to set this up, Greg, it was fourth down, um, and Montini, I don't remember what the score was at that point because I don't remember if Byron got the two-point conversion. Either way, um, Montini called a timeout, and I think they were either lined up in a field goal or that was the decision that was going to be made. And I hope I remember this right. They, they come out, and then a penalty pushes them back a little bit, so they decide to not kick a field goal, and they, they attempt a pass. It gets intercepted by Constantine. Constantine returns at 46 yards. The next drive is nine plays in which Constantine ran it eight times. Yeah. <laughs> the I mean, final he's, one, the, he's, he's their guy. I yeah. mean, uh, the, the eighth rush was a one yard touchdown plunge with 326 to play. That gave Byron the lead. Um, and that TD was their 99th rushing touchdown this season. That is an IHSA record. Already an IHSA record, and you assume they're going to hit triple digits here in the state championship game. So, yeah. So, um, God, ninety-nine rushing touchdowns, unbelievable. So they advanced <laughs> to the four, their fourth state championship uh, appearance in the last five years. Of course, they won a couple seasons ago. Here, here's what we're looking at, and we talked about this, I think, probably in the Princeton preview, either the, either the Princeton preview or the Dupec preview. This is historically one of the most dominant teams in Illinois history. Right now, they're sitting. They need 50 points to tie the all-time season single-season scoring record. I think they have 854. Uh, the record is 905. They need three touchdowns, however they do it, to break the single-season touchdown record. And their 60.7 scoring average is the all-time high in Illinois state football history. So Lombard did a great job of, of cutting that down. Um, but, but in the end, Byron prevails. And again, this is a team that we're, that, that's going to be in the record books, regardless of what happens, whether they, they win or they don't, this, this team will be remembered as one of the most dominant teams to ever have gotten on the field. Yeah. I mean, we talk about Byron year in and year out, you know, seemingly, being impressive but these numbers are are staggering this is this is really impressive stuff um on the opposite side you got a pretty impressive offense coming from the southern half of this bracket as well 
Let's yep. talk about the Mount Carmel Golden Aces getting the 63 to 48 win over Roxana. Man, high scoring, a lot of a lot of a lot of fireworks in this one. Tell us the the first sentence here. I couldn't believe what you wrote. Yeah. So in this one, the Golden Aces of, of Mount Carmel. <laughs> and we'll get into this between the two Mount Carmels, but yeah, well, yeah. Uh, the, the Golden Aces scored on their first nine possessions <laughs> to, Man. to outgun the shell. I think both teams scored on their first four, and then I, I don't know what happened, but um their first nine possessions, which would have been that that would have gotten them to 63. I guess I don't know, you know, how they did on extra points, but that would add up. So um, they're, they're led by, and I, I know this hurts your heart, Greg, senior quarterback in Illinois commit. Blaine Sisson rushed for 316 yards and five touchdowns. He's their, he's their Mr. Do-It-All. Uh, leads Mount Carmel to their sixth state championship appearance. Uh, they won in 81, I think. They've had three runner-up finishes uh, since 2001. Yeah, man, i so disappointed. You know, when we talked about it at the start of the season, we talked about Blaine Sisson. Actually, I think Edgy Tim was one of the ones who brought him up and said, Southern Illinois, you know, commit. And he's a Southern Illinois graduate. So we were, you know, yeah. we were talking about how excited we were. And then I saw his highlights from this weekend. And I was like, man, this is great. This kid is electric. And then yeah. I come to the podcast notes and see that it's Illinois commit. And then I do the back, I do the research. And sure enough, he flipped, he decommitted. Yeah. He's going to the, He's going to Illinois. Ah, man, it breaks my heart. Blaine, yeah. you're, you're breaking my heart over here. So <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, very impressive performance by him. I, I mean, I yeah. watched the highlights and man, he is, he is incredible. Great job against a really good Roxana team and a great season for Roxana just could not keep up offensively. And man, you, you said it, Mitch, in the notes here, I want to see, this Mount Carmel offense go up against Byron's defense. That's, yeah. that's going to be fun. Well, and, and just kind of looking at it now too, it's certainly they can be scored on. Mount Carmel can be scored on. I, I know Roxanne has a good offense, but uh, giving up 48 points. So yeah, I'm interested to see who wins that because you've got a Byron offense who typically, again, they're scoring 60.7 per game. They're trying to break all these records against a defense that might give up some points. Um, I don't know. How about Carmel do? I mean, this is. Well, when you're looking at, you know, you're looking at their playoff. Uh, yeah, so they, they, allowed, they allowed 17. They allowed 21. They allowed 46 to Tolono Uni, Unity. Yeah. 48 to Roxana. So, no, I do not believe the defense is that great. Um, so, we could see a typical. Byron performance here, but again, that that might that might hedge on if Sisson and, and the Golden Aces offense, who is also very capable of scoring, can kind of keep that game in in their hands as well. So this this will be a really really fun game there on uh, on Friday afternoon. Yeah, I think you gotta you gotta find an answer for Considine, right? Like if you're that Mount Carmel Ooh. defense, I I that's. That, you know, they're susceptible to giving up some points and you got, you know, an athlete like that on the other side for Byron. I, that, that's tough. That's a tough matchup. But I, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. The matchup of, you know, Sisson and Considine going, you know, battling back and forth. That That's great. That's good stuff. So, yeah, should be entertaining there in class 3A. 
All right, Class 4A, the final game that will be on Friday night will be St. Lawrence going up against Rochester. So yep. we'll start We'll start with St. Lawrence. They get the win 31-30 in double overtime. Maybe one of the more dramatic games of the semifinals here in, in Class 4A. Yeah, I mean, this is this is an 11 seed there in St. Lawrence. And they've had a road. They they beat Dixon, who was 9-1 going into that game in the second round. They beat Icy Catholic on a late touchdown in the quarterfinals. And then here, again, another late victory. They win in double overtime. So uh, these Vikings, they're, they are battle-tested, no question about it. Um, this one, it was the Vikings. Cesar Chavez blocked the potential game-tying extra point in the second overtime. Uh, it it sends St. Lawrence to the state championship for the first time since 1979. Uh, they got an all-state running back, really good player, Aaron Bell. Uh, he gave the Vikings their very first lead of this game in that second overtime. They got the ball first. They scored. That was their first lead of the game. It was his fourth TD of the contest. And, uh, yeah, Wheaton ends up scoring as well. It sounds like they debated about going for two or not. End up sending the uh, the field goal unit out. I think the coach had said that they've they've done so well with extra points this year that that was just the safe play. And it uh, Chavez gets a hand on it, and the ball falls short. So um, the the whole scene there just just goes nuts because the home game for St. Lawrence. So really cool to see that. Um, great great game here in uh, in the semifinal. Man, great yeah, great effort from you know from St. Lawrence to battle through the adversity there and not get your first lead until double overtime i mean that's yep. you know fighting and you know scratching and clawing to get everything you can to keep yourself in the game and they do and they you know get into overtime and win it so what an effort there they're back in like you said state championship game for the first time since 79 so new a fresh face there in st lawrence in class 4a they'll go up against a very familiar face to the state <laughs> yeah. championship games it's been a year or two but rochester is back Derek leonard is back in the state championship game with the Rockets. They beat Murfreesboro 42-14. to 14. This is Derek Leonard and the Rockets' uh, state, the, their ninth time in the state finals. They're seeking to remain undefeated in the state finals. They've won their previous eight appearances. So pretty good track record when they get into this final game that they're going to come away with a victory. Yeah, 8-0 in state, uh, in state title performances there for Coach Leonard and the Rockets. So... Yeah, like you said, they're they're back for the ninth time. Try to see if they can remain undefeated. They got a junior quarterback, Brian Zoloff. He threw for three touchdowns and 181 yards. Um, Nolan Morozowski ran for 87, 97 yards and three touchdowns. So, you know, um, this one was another one that was kind of over early. It was running clock here uh, against Murfreesboro, who is coming off of that exciting last uh, last second finish there in their in their quarterfinal game. Um, but Rochester, boy, they're they're back. They're undefeated, back in familiar territory there in the uh, in the state championship, and this should be a really good game to close out Friday night. Yeah, interesting. You know, it'll be a good matchup, obviously, between a St. Lawrence program, which is unfamiliar, you know, with the state tournament experience or the state title experience, and now you have Rochester, who's been there a lot. So kind of a contrast yeah. there. And Mitch, if all else fails in watching the Class 4A game and what's happening on the field, Look for our good friend, Jason Foy. His referee crew, I believe, will be the ones on the field for that right. 4A state title game. So, uh, yeah, that's that's exciting for them to get 
to get that crew. It's a, a hometown local crew here from the Quad Cities. They'll be out there, you know, representing our area. Yep. Yeah, and they'll, they'll be treated to a great game there for it. For sure. Yep. All right. Class 5A, early in the morning on Saturday, it'll be Nazareth Academy up against Joliet Catholic. So, again, two pretty familiar names here that we've talked about quite a bit. What a, yep. you know, kind of, <laughs> it's been a wild ride, to say the least, for Nazareth Academy. They find themselves in a state tournament or in a state championship game, though. Yeah, so for, for the second second year in a row, they, they, they dig themselves out of a hole. This year, they started 0-4, and, and we, we've talked a lot about their schedule and who they play. They started 0-4. They win their next four games to get to four and four. They lose in week nine to this same St. Francis team. They sit at four and five. They end up getting into the 5A playoffs, and they have not been slowed down here so far. They they get in, and then they are just about close to running the table here. So uh, they got a star QB in, in Logan Malachuk. He ran for two scores, two of the five rushing touchdowns that Nazareth had on the day. And again, sends the Roadrunners to their seventh title game appearance in school history. Um, Greg, remind me, did they go? Did they win last year, or was that two years ago? Um, I I can look. I can find out. I'm gonna do. I'll, I'll look it up right now because I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. um, Let's see. In Class Five A, Nazareth was I yes. Think, Nazareth won a wild game over Peoria. Remember, forty five. That's 44. right. Yep. Yeah, and they were. Um, I think they started last year two and four, and then kind of did the same thing. So. They, they are plagued by a really tough schedule, but boy, did they make up for it. So once again, the Roadrunners are headed to the 5A state title game. And they will be going up against Joliet Catholic. The Hilltoppers get the rivalry win over Providence Catholic, 31-21. So the Hilltoppers back in a state championship for the 20th time. We've we've talked talked about their uniforms before because they've been here. We've talked about their their play on the field because they've been here. Here they are again, number 20 state championship game for the Hilltoppers. Yeah. Um, what I think they've got, I think, I think both of them and Mount Carmel both have 14 and they both have 20 uh, state title appearances. I think they both have 14 wins. So see if someone breaks that this year, but uh, you know, this year, JC has a really, as they do every year, this year, they've got a really, really good defense in this game. I should say they forced six turnovers in the semifinal win. Uh, their lead back, H.J. Grigsby, 142 yards in this this close win for for the Hilltoppers. So, yeah, two really really good programs that uh, we we've talked in, or at least we've seen a lot in the past in the, this this sort of game. So, yeah, uh, Saturday morning, two really good programs in Nazareth and Joliet going for it. Pretty good uh, uniform matchup there between Nazareth, great the Roadrunners, and Hilltoppers. Yeah, yeah, great uniform matchup. No, no spoilers. I don't know. I don't want to no. know where, where mm-hmm. your head goes, but that'll be a good one to break down and analyze for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into class six, a Carrie Grove and East St. Louis. Carrie Grove gets the win 28 to 10 over Lake Zurich. Carrie Grove runs that triple option and it's awesome. It is so mm-hmm. much fun to watch. We've seen it before. We'll talk a little bit about the rematch they have here in the state championship game, but, uh, Tell us about how they got here, Mitch. Yeah, so Kerry uh, Grove, the three seed there in 6A North. Um, a team that we've we've seen a lot recently. Um, this is their 
seventh state championship game appearance is the third in five years. So in, in the history of this this podcast, we've talked about them quite a bit. As you mentioned, they got that triple option attack. They, they put together these long, sustained, time-consuming drives that really just keeps the ball out of their opponent's hands. Um, they're back. They're fullback. Logan Abrams, four touchdowns in this one. Um, cool note here from Joe Stevenson from Shaw Media, Friday Night Drive. The Trojans are 16-1 and in their last 17 playoff games. So this is a very, very good carry growth program for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, it, this... We'll talk about it. Kerry Grove won a state championship game in 2021 yep. when they defeated East St. Louis. And that right. was one of the greatest state title games of all time. One of the best yep. games I've ever watched. If it's on YouTube somewhere, search it up. Go find it. Go watch it if you're unfamiliar. I might go watch the replay of it this week anyway. I know Just, I know it is. I know that it is. Okay. It's awesome. It, it's It was such a, just a great, you know, coaching effort from Kerry Grove and just the expertise of their triple option attack going up against the high-powered, you know, super athletes of East St. Louis combined with their line and their, you know, just their ability all the way around. What a game that was. Kerry Grove came away with the win. So I'm excited to see this rematch just based on that one alone. Let's talk about East St. Louis, the Flyers. They're a team we've, you know, we've talked about. They've been here a lot. Yeah, the four seed East St. Louis coming out of the South. They beat uh, the two seed Washington. This one was closer than you expected because Washington was playing a backup quarterback. So the, the Flyers hold off a furious comeback here um, from Washington. Washington scored twice in a 60 second stretch in the fourth quarter. That got this game to a one possession. I think it was 26 to 18, I believe it was. Um, but a long touchdown by Flyer quarterback Robert Battle sealed the victory for the Flyers. So they head back to the sixth day title game for, I think, at least the third straight year. Yeah, it could be. I know because they like, won. They they won. They won last year against Prairie Ridge. Yep. You referenced their loss to Kerry Grove. I don't. I don't know if they went the year before that. So um, it's at least their their third straight. And as always, or sorry, without mentioning, they are the defending six day champions. Yeah. And um, there, you mentioned quarterback Robert Battle. I believe he was in that game. He was the quarterback a couple years ago when they played mm -hmm. Gary Grove. So he's an yeah. experienced quarterback, very I talented think, quarterback. I think he's an Illinois commit too. I think. Okay. okay. Uh, and speaking of East St. Louis, I just saw um, Luther Burden III making yep. some incredible plays for Mizzou this weekend. So, you know, he continues to impress at the college level, leading Mizzou to a great season. So, uh, you know, lot, a lot of fun, you know, just football to watch when it comes to East St. Louis. They're just a high-powered yeah. team. And on the opposite side, same with Kerry Grove, just a fascinating team to watch with their triple option and how well they execute and the athletes they put in the, you know, in the positions to, to, to win a lot of really good football. Yeah, two wildly different offensive strategies yeah. here between these two teams. That's always going to make up for uh, a really a really fun game. So if it's anything like it was two seasons ago, boy, we're in for a good one there on Saturday just after lunch. Yep, there you go. All right, yep. So get some lunch, settle in, watch that one for sure. Maybe put up some Christmas lights in between games and get back in. And <laughs> I, 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 wonder, I, I wonder if uh, does uh, just does Jim Spencer do all the games on Saturday? I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't know. Okay, I know he does some of them. 
I think so. I, I he has. Or, I, I, I bet that do they stagger him? I don't know how they do it, but yeah, he's part. He's part of that crew. They do a great job. Yep. Well, all right. Class seven A. Downers Grove North gets the win over Normal Community, forty-two to nothing to advance, and Mount Carmel gets the win, sixty-four to twenty-six over Batavia mm. to advance. So it's Downers Grove North against Mount Carmel. We'll start with Downers Grove North. The Trojans hold previously unbeaten and top-seeded normal community to just 68 yards in this one. So normal community was a you know high-powered offense. And man, if they'd have won this game, they'd be playing in their own backyard in the state championship right. game. But they fall short. Downers Grove North spoils that party, and they get the win here, the big-time win. Yeah, they've got a really, really stud quarterback, sophomore Owen Lance, who passed for 199 yards and three scores. Uh, Jimmy Januki had a pick six in the second quarter that kind of set the tone in this one early. So, yeah, this was, again, normal, like you said, normal community was unbeaten. They were the top seed in 7-8, and they just could not do anything against Down Road North in this one. This was a great game for, for them, um, but, boy, did they have a <laughs> one heck of an opponent coming in here uh, on, on Saturday. Mitch, their their sophomore quarterback Owen Lansu, you mentioned, you know, his name. I think I've been seeing uh scouting video and like like a recruitment video on him on Twitter for like since he was in like sixth grade. It's like yeah. it's just it's been all over. I don't know how it it ends up in my feet all the time. I think just you know, either Edgy Tim or the different, sure. you know, people that I follow. But yeah, he, he looks like he's the real deal. So oh, yeah. he, he, looked he looked good smart. way back then. So he looks good now. So I'll, t- anyway. I'll tell you, he looks good now, then forever. Mount Carmel's running back. He's a Wisconsin commit, Darian Dupree. He scored four times in the first 14 minutes. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. And there, there's one um, quarterback, Jack Elliott, had 518 total yards, and I think 430 of them were rep- or, uh, uh, passing. There was one of his touchdowns in the first quarter. Um, Dupree is kind of coming just right up the seam. Elliot's pass gets deflected and Dupree has to like turn his body, like distort it in a way that any, you know, normal human being would break their back (laughs) and just extends his arms and gets this incredible catch and just runs into the end zone. Um, One of his other touchdowns was just completely amazing that he just broke tackles and spun out of another one and kept his balance. So we, we talked a lot about this Mount Carmel team. Uh, in the Quincy game, this could very well be one of the most talented teams this year in Mount Carmel. They they have no sign of being slowed down unless they're playing an 818 in Loyola Academy. But um, this is like Julia Catholic. This is the Caravan's 20th state championship appearance. This is the third. And this is, I got another note after this. This this is the third straight season that Mount Carmel has knocked Batavia out of the playoffs. Batavia has had some really, really good teams these past couple of years. Last year it was in the state title game. This year it's in the semifinal. But what I was going to say is we, we talk a lot about this public versus private thing, right? Yeah. I think Batavia was trying to send a message. They had a banner on their stands that said, one team, one town. Or it was the other way, one town, one team. I think it was what it was. Okay. Um, yeah. So trying maybe some subtle messaging there, but yeah, they've, they've ran into the caravan for three straight seasons and the caravan have had the upper hand each time. Yeah. So Mount Carmel against Downers Grove North in the seven, a state title game. That'll be one to watch. 
One more left in Class 8A, Loyola Academy. Another name, the Ramblers. We've called them out, talked about them plenty. They get the win 23-14 over York. So they're moving on to the state title game against Lincoln Way East. Is it the Griffins? The Griffins. Yeah, we've talked about their logo before. We'll get more into that in the uh, UniView uh, state championship preview episode. But the Griffins, very unique logo. They get the win 49-6 to over Barrington. So it's Loyola Academy against Lincoln Way East. Mitch, tell us how we got here. Yeah, in the Loyola game, the Ramblers, they trailed 14-3 early. And I remember this was one of the first games on on, uh, on Saturday. And it, it was kind of like, whoa, like York could be for real. But we we talked about those kind of crockpot style type of games where it kind of turned into that where Loyola just slowly got their way back. And um, they're the top team in, in 8A for a reason. They, they go back to this, the 8A title game for the second straight season to play the same team for the second straight season in Lincoln Way East, who beat, as you mentioned, Barrington 49-6. Really good defense there in the Griffins. They forced six turnovers in this one. Here's your stat, Greg. The six points from Barrington are the only points Lincoln Way East allowed in the postseason this year. Oh, my gosh. That, wow, that is, a, that is an incredible run. So shutouts uh, all the way through until Barrington got their touchdown. Uh, quarterback Brandon Tischler accounted for four touchdowns on the day. Also, here's your other nugget. 43-point win was the largest ever in an 8A semifinal game. That's a good, that's a good stat line there. That's a that's a Brian Stocking kind of, you know, stat he's, gold there. He, he's writing it in his notebook right now. <laughs> exactly. So Loyola and Lincoln Way East is a rematch of last year's 8A state title game and 2021 8A quarterfinal. Loyola has won both those matchups. So Yeah, so, so just like Mount Carmel and Batavia, these two teams have met three years in the playoffs uh, in a row. So Okay. Yeah, should be uh, two, two standout 8A teams here uh, to close out what should be a really, really fun weekend. Yep. Well, let's recap them here. Of course, Class 1A, Lena Winslow going up against Camp Point Central. You have in 2A, Wilmington versus Athens. In 3A, you have Byron going up against Mount Carmel, Illinois, the team from down south. In 4A, you have St. Lawrence and Rochester. On Saturday, in Class 5A, you'll have Nazareth going up against Joliet Joliet Catholic. In 6A, Cary Grove and East St. Louis. 7A, Downers Grove North and Mount Carmel. The Jordan Lynch-led Mount Carmel out of the Chicago area. And you have... That's Bears legend. Yeah, something like that. And you have 8A Loyola Academy against Lincoln Way East. So there you go. So real quick, because we didn't say it. Mount Carmel is the public school team out of Mount Carmel, Illinois. Yeah. Mount Carmel is the public school, or sorry, the private school out of Chicago. So Yeah, so I tried to clarify, yeah. Right. Tried to clarify by saying Mount Carmel, Illinois against, you know, or, you know, in 4A or 3A and then, yes. But it but, is, yeah. I guess I guess Mount Carmel, Chicago doesn't go by Academy or anything. So like Julia Catholic does. So okay, it gets confusing. But I, I I didn't look this up, but I imagine it's true. This is the first time that both Mount Carmels have been playing in a state championship game. I was just gonna speculate that as well. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, assume. I, I didn't. I didn't look up the history and compare the years, but I would imagine it's the first. Uh, quick tease ahead: two really good uniforms, both Mount Carmels. <laughs> you know it. That. 
just looking just looking right at the list, that seven eight game with Downers Grove North and Mount Carmel is probably I'm gonna look real quick. Yeah, that's probably my favorite. Two really good uniforms there. All right. So that's a little tease ahead for of course, we've already talked about it. The Uniview State Championship preview episode. That will be available on Wednesday. Check it out. It may already be available depending on when you're listening to this, but go check it out. It's on YouTube. It's in our podcast feed, but you're going to want to see the visuals. That's, that's the fun part of that one. So that's where we really dive into the, uh, you know, the fine details there in, uh, in the state championship games, talking about uniforms. You can also hear one-on-one coaches interviews in the class 1A game from head coach Rick Aaron of Lena Winslow and head coach Brad Dixon from Camp Point Central. They'll give you their insights and their thoughts on that 1A state championship game rematch. So there you go, Mitch. Those are your primers. That's the, the stage is set for a great weekend of football. I can't believe we're here. I mean, I guess I can, but it's also, you know, it's hard, hard to believe. Yeah. What is the third 13 weeks? Yep. Probably, probably 15 weeks of, preseason shows and such so yeah it's it's been a it's been a long run it's been another great season here um and yeah to to think that this is going to be our last uh whether whether we do an instant reacts or whether we do just a regular show kind of our last game maybe recapping uh results before we get into some off-season stuff but uh we we love we love these two days um it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun we're we're grateful to have a, a team playing once again um and Lena Winslow so but regardless all eight games are going to be are going to be great always a fun time for the state of Illinois and, and looking forward to watching I'll have them all on Greg I don't think uh I don't think Notre Dame plays until Saturday night and they play on the Pac-12 network and I'm not I don't have any idea how to watch that so <laughs> these are probably my football watchings for uh for the day yeah there you go all right that sounds good well thank you to everyone who listens who's been listening all year long we appreciate it We'll be back. We'll be talking. We'll be recapping these state championship games. We'll also be talking about our players of the year, Mitch. We'll talk about some of our games of the year. some uh, superlatives to give out, no doubt. Absolutely. All the superlatives to give out, the awards to hand out at the end of the year. We'll be getting to that in another month or so. So, uh, you know, stick around just because the offseason hits. We won't be done talking football yet. We're never really done talking football. They still got to vote on district football. We could be talking about a whole bunch of stuff here coming up. Oh, that's true. That's true. There could be a lot of very relevant conversation happening even when football's over. So, yeah. so, so stay tuned. We'll be, uh, when news breaks, when things happen, we'll be talking about it. We'll be talking about our awards and we'll be, uh, you know, always ready to jump on and hit record yeah, and talk football. Yeah, we're always on call. We, that's- we, <laughs> we look forward to this. We look forward to the off season to take a break, but we're always ready to jump in when uh, when it's needed. And usually, every off season, there's something that we have to either kind of compile everything that's happened or something big occurs. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be ready. Speaking speaking of nothing, did you see that former Newman head coach uh, Brandon Kresmer is now the interim head coach at Western? I did see that. Yeah. So you know, unfortunately, it comes with the news that you know they you know, dismissed their head coach. And it, it's been a struggle at Western Illinois for wins, but I saw Coach Kretzmer walk in the sidelines at Princeton Kiwani earlier this yeah. season, talked right. to him for a few minutes. So really good to catch up with him. And uh, yeah, very excited for him in this opportunity. I know that, you know, similar to when he took the job at Newman, when I've talked to him about just coaching, he's all in, right? He dives all in, gives it 100% effort. He's really committed down there right now to turning that program around. So yeah, I'm excited for him. It's great. Great opportunity for him. 
Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, that'll do it. Thank you to everyone who listens. We'll be back next week talking more high school football, of course, because that's what we do. We'll see you then. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.